We're four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's really hard? Tackling National Poetry Month. Poetry can be a challenging text to tackle. If it's not something that you've loved yourself or a text type that you read yourself normally, it can feel overwhelming or intimidating when it's time to teach it. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Well, well, the figurative language, the hidden meanings, metaphorical thinking. Yeah, the tightness, the compactness of the text means that there's not a lot of extra language, and, and that itself can can be really hard for kids to digest. Yep, and especially getting kids away from the notion that it all has to be rhymey, rhymey. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, the yeah. rhyming, that's true. Or, or you know, trying to get them to reach beyond haiku, sinking, diamante, the usual suspects that teachers love to teach, which there's nothing wrong with it. But I think that we, as a, as a group of people like to teach those poetic forms because it's easy for us to grab onto, especially if we're not real comfortable with poetry ourselves. Yeah. And if, if the standards require that we incorporate it in readers workshop, then that's, that's another issue. I think it's one of those things that if you don't love it yourself, it's just really hard to jump in. Yeah, yeah I agree. True. And it's true. And because it's so it's it's complex in a different way than most prose is, I think that sometimes that we as teachers end up, um, we we, we kind of rob its power because we feel the need to tell students what it means <laughs> instead of letting yeah. them make meaning the way we would with any other text. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. true. That's interesting. Yeah, because th- sometimes. They're so stumped that we want to jump in rather than let them mm-hmm. puzzle through it. And sometimes we get puzzled ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then other times it's also, you know, knowing what to pick because, you know, we're, those of you who are listening, the majority of us have spent our careers at third grade and up, sometimes, you know, in even middle school. So, upper elementary into middle school. And, you know, Jack Perletsky and Shel Silverstein, while they're still loved by kids at that age, it's not something that we're, you want to choose to add rigor to your curriculum. So what do you choose? What do you pick? I think there's a lot of value in a good narrative poem, one that you like, Yeah, you know, to, to bring in. So you don't have so much of the rhyming and, it's easier to find one that goes along with whatever text that you're reading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it needs to be carefully selected to, to go along with your theme. Mm-hmm. And, and what's most impressive would be if you memorize it and then perform it. Don't, don't just read it with them. Don't just pass out a page with a poem on. Start with nothing in print and perform it for them. 
it's worth the time. But it's also really intimidating. That right there, <laughs> you're not. Oh, come on, perform a verse. Oh, oh captain, my captain. You're preaching to the choir here because yeah. poetry runs through my veins. But but when you're a teacher, I think that that it you know it it doesn't flip your antlers. <laughs> <laughs> you know a good one to start with, Honey, I Love. Yeah, by Nikki Giovanni. Or is that yes. Eloise Greenfield? No, that's Nikki Giovanni. No, that's a- no I think it's Eloise is Greenfield. It? I'm going to have to look it up now. I think you're- I think it's Eloise. Anyway, it's Honey, I Love. Oh, my gosh. If you memorize that and say it with just the right intonations in your voice and look Different kids in the eye. Honey, I love (laughs) you too. I mean, it draws them right in and then they're interested in how to craft something like that. So let's talk about this. We know why poetry can be hard to teach, why it's intimidating and overwhelming for many teachers. So why should it be part of our Readers and Writers Workshop, though? I think everyone here at the table talking tonight thinks it should. Let, let's see what our, you know, how we can talk to our readers about this. Why should this be part of your readers and writers workshop? So poetry to me is the ultimate complex text. If you can get out of your student's way, with it, it can really rock your classroom world. It teaches higher vocabulary. It teaches metaphorical thinking. It teaches, um, if you're doing fluency work with kids, it's a fantastic thing to use for fluency. And the reading comprehension. Description. Yes. It helps kids visualize. It, It will strengthen their visualizing skills, which is so important. Um, for reading comprehension. It really focuses mm-hmm. on word choice too. We talk a lot about yes. word choice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great challenge to teach kids how to recognize that in poetry and then take it and put it into their prose writing. Um, and here's one way to sell it. It can be short. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know? Yes. I even say it doesn't have to be around a theme. Poetry should be shared for the sake of poetry, not even has to be a theme. It could just be, you know, this is, I have a text set of poetry that I use with kids and it's in a big packet and we use it in our guided reading and literature circles. Do you, Mm -hmm. Tracy, do you find after you do that um, during readers workshop, will they, gravitate more toward your poetry books? Oh, yeah, absolutely they do. Um, Absolutely. And I know April is National Poetry Month, but I'm someone who, and I think we all could agree, poetry needs to be shared throughout the year, not just in the month of April. Um, Of course. Yes. Yes. But it's a great time to, especially when you're thinking about your portfolios and if you have enough pieces of writing in Mm -hmm. there. Um, it's a great time to get a few more pieces because, you know, as I said before, that that's a great selling point for kids. It's short. You can write something fairly short and very meaningful and beautiful. You can decorate it beautifully, you know, and incorporate 
art, use it for performance for an end of the year program. There's so many ways to use it. A- April mm-hmm. isn't a bad time to take I use a good it look at it. For a reader response. So sometimes I've had kids write poetry as a way of reader response to a novel that they've read. They write um something in poetic text to the character or about the theme of the book, adding their own thoughts, which is so high level. When you think about it, it, it's really high level. And kids are more willing to do high level stuff when it's like that, as opposed Mm -hmm. to comprehension questions on a worksheet. Well, and my kids Mm -hmm. love the freedom poetry gives them too, because there's not necessarily grading on capitalization and punctuation. It doesn't even have to be complete thoughts. And so they kind of love being freed up that way to really express themselves. Um, They also love, um, we study poems that use that use the page differently. So, you know, some might swirl down the page. Some mm-hmm. might use different fonts <sighs> to express, um, express different words. Mind. Yeah. Teaching, teaching yes. line yes. breaks. Teaching why poets repeat themselves. And, yes. and that goes into parallel form in poetic text and then also in prose. You know, authors use parallel form in prose, too. And it's just a really unique way for kids to learn those writers' tools. I've got a perfect way to kind of segue into this, especially, and I've seen younger kids there uh, too. Everybody's posting their pictures around here now of having gone to see Hamilton. We saw it last night, finally. And um, if you think about how Hamilton, the play, the musical, the phenomenon originated, Mm -hmm. It was because Lin-Manuel Miranda picked up a biography of Alexander Hamilton in the airport for something to read on the plane. Mm-hmm. And it was an ordinary biography that it really wasn't that well known at the mm-hmm. time. And what did he do with it? He turned it into lyric yep. poetry. He turned it into songs. Mm-hmm. He, you know, I mean, all the different forms that you can see that, you know, the speeches, the singing, the rapping, the, um, all, all of it, that it came from that text from, from the historical, um, tale that he read. So, and wouldn't that be fun to try to have the kids create something like yeah, that? that from oh yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yes, it would go great yeah. with history. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. <laughs> Jane Eyre, the musical, right? Love it. Or the or the the Cleopatra. Can't you just see Cleopatra about the musical? (laughs) Or or Hatchet. I could totally see Hatchet. We've seen the lightning thief that way, right? Exactly. Now think about Wrinkle in Time if they had made that into a musical as opposed to a movie, right? as opposed to just a drama, straight drama, if they put more more of those musical and poetic forms in there. Yeah. And and wouldn't that be a great uh, assignment for the end of the or year? Or to take something like this yes. into an epic poem. Oh, I can yes. see Wrinkle yeah. in Time being an epic poem. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. This is a little off the subject, but there was this police show that we watched on TV a while ago, and um, they put the whole thing to music, and they were singing, you know, about murders and all these crazy oh things. So. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember the name? 
No. <laughs> something, probably something like cops or something. I really don't remember, but it was years ago where they tried it, and it was really funny. hysterical. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting yes. concept, you know, I think, to pursue. There yes. are lots of cool ways that poetry, I've seen it being used as a teaching tool for readers and writers workshop, as reader response, even as a way to assess a student's knowledge. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. What are some ways you've used poetic text in your classrooms or have seen poetic text used? That music makes me feel like I need a cocktail in my hand. I've done songs, you know, brought songs in and we'll listen to them and then we'll look at the lyrics and we'll talk about the po- the poetry that, you know, they, that yes. they shows and um, yeah. it's really good. Then I have the kids try to write their own little lyrics for maybe use the uh, melody of some mm-hmm. song that they know. And, oh yeah, uh, they love doing that. Great, awesome yeah. to do the lyrics for. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Definitely. poetry is something that is like near and dear to me. From the time I was a little kid, and I first heard, um, "Oh, how I like to go up in the swing, up in the swing, so or up in the swing so high, or whatever it is." My grandmother used to do that with me. Up in the sky, I so love blue. Those poems. <laughs> I I once did a uh, action research project actually on poetry and. One of the things that I was looking at was I used choreography with my kids. Um, I would give them a piece of poetry and they would read it and discuss it. And then I would ask them, could you show with your body, if you were going to get on stage and perform this poem, how would you move to show what it means? And they actually, we went through several movement workshops and they actually created choreography for the poem. And then they were able to talk about why they gave certain parts of the poem certain types of movement. And what was really cool about this was at the end of this, I had done a pre and post. And what I found was that the kids that it impacted the most were my special education students and my bilingual students, my ESL students. And it impacted their um, implicit comprehension. It doesn't surprise me. It makes me excited, but it doesn't surprise. It was so much fun to approach it that way, right? To to say, oh, well, how would you move there? How how would you use your body to show what that means to you? I love that they were open. Because there's something. I love that they were open to doing that. I was going to say, some of those kids are, are less inhibited, I think, you well, know, than others. You know, it's probably easier for right. them. And, and yeah, there's something open. inside each of, yeah, there's something inside each of us that I think is we're born to experience the rhythm of poetry and of music and of way language flows. And I, and I think like, you know, like you said, they don't know enough yet to be inhibited about it. Nothing, either it's, either it's all embarrassing or none of it's embarrassing, right? (laughs) You're just learning the language. There are some, (laughs) some performance poetry groups out there and you go into YouTube and you do performance poetry and you'd be shocked at what you see. And when they see those, that's way cool. And they sit there and go, I want to do that. That would be interesting to explore. Definitely. And, and, you know, before we leave this part, I don't want to discount the use of a template because it's a start. 
Mm. And, and especially with free verse, like I'm thinking of a poem that I did for years that parents still have hanging in their, in their houses that they, they turn out so beautifully and it's mm-hmm. called my favorite place. And we used to do the, you know, for mother's day, it's like, and you just ask a series of questions like what's your mom's favorite place. What's her favorite time of day there. What's her favorite kind of day there. What does she see there and hear there and, do there, you know, that kind of thing. And all they write is the answers. And when the answers are written out without the questions, it's just the most beautiful free verse poem. And we've done collages with it. And, you know, it just makes a beautiful beginning. And I know it's a template. But that's that's okay, too, because it gives the kids some structure. It's only when they yeah. start only doing acrostic poems over oh. and over and over. That, you know. <laughs> right. No, you don't want that over and over, but it's kind of like training yes. wheels, right? And then you lift about them that. a little. Ask yourself and, as you a teacher, what am I doing differently than what the teacher did be- the year before? And if you're doing nothing but those form things and you know that that's what was done the year before, then you got to step outside your comfort zone and you got to up the ante. <laughs> Tracy, I love the poetry that you taught me about um, what is it called? Pantum? Pantum. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because can you explain yeah. what that is? Because they those come out so beautiful. So, yeah. There are some phenomenal websites out there. If you were to type in poetic forms around the world, you would be shocked at some of the cool stuff you would get. So a pantum is a 16-line poem, and it comes from Malay. It's a Malaysian poet, a poetry form. So it's Asian. And it um, starts out, the first four lines um, are are what they are. And then um, line five is a repeat of line one. Line six is new. Line seven is a repeat of line three. So it's like every other line after the first four, every other line is a repeat of the line before. So what it teaches kids is to really think wow. about what you're crafting because we know that authors only repeat what they want to put power to. Right? Right. So you think, and yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a form that's easy enough for a kid who's intimidated by poetry. It's a form that's easy enough for a child to grasp onto and still have a powerful piece of writing. And, and that's it. The piece that they end up yes. with is so impressive. Yes. It's, that, it's like, look what I did. And if I can do exactly. that, I can do You know, else. another thing too, that I've done with uh, poetic forms, you know, when kids are learning how to write, first they read the author, right? They read an author that they love. Mm-hmm. Then they think about, okay, what did this author do? And then they try to emulate it. So for example, when I do Langston Hughes and I teach the kids dream deferred and it starts out, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it stink like rotten meat? Does it crisp over with a syrupy sweet? Does it fester and run like a sore, you know? So we look at the form and we talk about it and we do our reading comprehension stuff with it. And then I tell the kids, okay, now we're going to ask our own question. What happens to a dog that dies? What happens to... um, what happens to a, a fish that dies? What happens to a goal unscored? What happens to a kid not picked? What happened, you know, and they ask these questions and then they emulate 
Langston Hughes's form, his pants. Wow. I love it. Yeah. And it's so powerful because it's questions that they want to ask, questions that are big personal questions from their life, right? From their lives. Um, So it has personal meaning to them. And and yet they also have the, the the nice structure of Langston Hughes's poem, right? And you have to follow them. Right. Right. Tell, yeah. tell us, Tracy. Tell tell us that's not a baby you're ignoring. <laughs> well, let me tell you, my dog Tracy, the light of my life, right, has this giant stuffed donut that she right. puts her snout through and then races towards me. And I'm trying to take it away from her. And she's, yeah. instead, it's turning into a rousing tug of war game while we record. <laughs> right. And I was afraid our listeners yeah. think no. you're ignoring a baby in the background. And the, thinking oh, how yeah. I could okay. write my own. What happens to a dog? But <laughs> Yeah, what happens exactly. to a donut that exactly. gets lost suddenly? <laughs> yeah, that could be a poetry lesson. Uh. <laughs> I've um done some things with the kids that have to do with I, I have this this uh thing that I do with it's a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. poetry writing that you can do. But one of them is um they do sensory poems and um they'll close their eyes and they'll I'll play music mm-hmm. or something, they'll write about that. Um or close their eyes, I'll give them like some hard candies and they'll have to write about the color or what it tastes like, the mm. taste. Um, mm. We'll sometimes go outside under a tree or something and they'll lie under the tree and look through it and write, you know, what they oh, see. Oh, I love taking them you know, outside. Only, yes. Oh, yeah, I do. Yes. So they have a good time with that. You know, yeah, I'm friends with this, I love um, that. poet. His name is uh, Andrew Green from Potato Hill Poetry. And, um, he's a phenomenal presenter but he came and worked with our kids from the boston area he came to michigan and i watched him do this fantastic exercise and this works with the littles all the way up what you were saying deanne the five cents poem so start out with it smells Mm -hmm. like it tastes like it feels like it sounds like it you know all the way through and then Mm -hmm. teach them to stretch that with a with a um metaphor or simile and then, mm. then right. take yeah. out that like, it sounds uh-huh. it str- smells it take all of that out and then what it becomes is a poem as soon as you take those sentence stems out you have an instant poem oh, wow. a yes. great way to help Love it. get yeah. their teeth around um, free verse oh that's, that's excellent right. One of the kids in my class, it was sixth grade. I, I wish I had the poem with me. He wrote the most phenomenal poem. I was so blown away. I couldn't believe it. And then there was this um, book. Um, it was like um, something like New England Poets mm-hmm. Society or something like that. And the kids, and they they um, they would publish all you know a bunch of poems. So my kids always got published too, and oh, they just love seeing their poems in, in um, print. They do. Oh, we put together a yeah. class poetry anthology every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's wonderful. And again, same thing. They just love reading each other's. They love seeing theirs in print yeah. themselves. I've done poetry concerts. Yes, so we yes, did yes. our, um, they did their choreography. They performed it as like, as, a, as different dance troops. And then they also read their <laughs> own poems that they wrote. Um, so they did reader and writer response in the concert. It was, it was really cool to see it come together. And 
And you can go all the way from that. And we used to perform mm-hmm. poems at our portfolio parties in the spring. But I've got to tell you, I was at last year, my grandson's class, first graders, everybody wrote a poem and everyone got up on the stage in front of the microphone yeah. and just said their poem. <laughs> That's all they did. But we had a book of all the poems in our laps and they just got up there and said it. It was the cutest thing in the world. And it was just so simple. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we have this wonderful school librarian who every year would put together a poetry slam. Uh-huh. And she would have it hosted mm. at like our local Barnes and Nobles when we still had a Barnes and Noble <laughs> nearby. And the kids uh-huh. would come dressed in oh, black, yeah. you know, and like think, you know. And they'd the, snap yep, their fingers yep, instead they would of clapping. snap their fingers <laughs> and they would just stand up yeah. and recite poetry they had memorized. It was so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, that's a comp- that's competition. They, and that's fun to show them, too, if you can find some videos that are appropriate of actual poetry slams. Um, it's a whole yes. competitive <laughs> sport there. It's pretty cool. So right. so we don't run out of time because the best right. is yet to come. Keep listening. Let's talk about what are our favorite poems or poetry books that we love to use with our kids? Kathy, why don't you start us up? Well, one book that I use to actually that taught me how to teach poetry in free verse form is by Regie Routman. Yeah. She is a huge literacy person and she, her oh, books yeah. are called Kids Poems. Mm-hmm. Pretty mm-hmm. simple. Um, she has different grade levels, but she has kids samples of their poems. And then she literally step-by-step almost like gives teachers questions to ask their kids. So they start noticing things around Mm -hmm. them as poetry. So they start looking at poems as a different text form. Um, Just from those little simple lessons, they're amazing. They're amazing. But I also just read um, Jacqueline Woodson's, is it Brown Girl Dreaming? And I didn't realize before I read it that it was going to be all Mm -hmm. in poetry format. And she told her just those snippets of her life. It was incredible. Just listening. I did an audio book of it and it was great. You know, Kathy, uh, is it Kathy Cushman? Cushman out of, out of the dust does that love that dog. Hate that. Karen, Karen Karen Hesse, isn't it? Uh, Is it Karen Cushman? Uh, One is Sharon Creech does the love that dog, hate that cat. It's been out for a while out of the dust, which is more yes, of a middle yes, school, yes. fifth grade, middle school kind of a book, but it's phenomenal. Um, if you are a teacher trying to teach poetry and you have not checked out Georgia Heard, oh, you got to check out Georgia Heard. Oh, you're going to want to wear a beret and drink a cup of coffee and spout okay. poetry. <laughs> she is she writes with such warmth and she tells her stories so one is called writing toward home another one is for the good of the earth and sky i think that's what it's called but georgia heard oh is a must read for teachers but then what i do too is i'm someone who doesn't shy away from using um poetry that's written for adults with kids so i don't mean adult themes but things like um, Proud Words by Carl Sandburg. 
be careful of proud words. They wear tall boots, right? The whole image of them marching all over someone. And what are proud words? Because once you put them out there, they will not come back. Um, there are some just some wonderful Langston Hughes, William Carlos Williams. Yes. There's some wonderful poems out there that are that are accessible to kids. Yeah, there um, are some other favorites of yeah. mine. I love Sandra's Narrows. Oh, yeah. And especially with older kids, the house on Mango Street, mm -hmm. Papa who gets up tired in the dark. I mean, her 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 poems and um, essays are amazing. There's also, if you're studying the Holocaust, there's a beautiful book of poems and artwork by children who actually were yeah. in a concentration camp. Oh, and, wow. Um, it's called, called I, ne mm. I, I Never Saw Another Butterfly. Oh. Mm. Um, and again, maybe yes. for older kids, fifth, sixth grade, mm -hmm. um, I would use that. Uh, but I'm a big mm. fan of Eloise okay. Greenfield. It is Eloise, by yeah. the way, who did Honey, I Love. <laughs> and um, oh, my God. That, and that other one, th thinks he's... Um, thinks he's Kareem and not mm -hmm. my brother, the basketball one. That was, I love that one too. Mm -hmm. It's like sibling rivalry, you know, uh, just, just great childhood themes. Uh, Kwame Alexander has out. a phenomenal book out where he, um, writes from the perspective of, of different African-American authors. It's phenomenal and it's poetry. Another one I love is, um, gosh, loose leashes which is a totally just frivolous, fun book about dog poems. <laughs> and it's wonderful. And it shows the picture of a dog and it's a photograph. And then there's a, there's a poem that goes with the photograph. Um, and they're just so sweet and tender and fun, you know, but that's because I'm a dog person. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. I would like that one. <laughs> well, this is all we have time for tonight. But what would be your number one tip for celebrating National Poetry Month? What do we want to leave them with? What do we want our, our listeners to know? Well, I guess, you know, just read some good poems to them, um, let them gain an understanding of it, um, have them visualize, maybe close their eyes and listen to it, and then maybe they can just discuss it with mm -hmm. you or write their own poems. If I, if I could leave you with just one tip mm -hmm. from me, it would be perform it first. Mm. Learn, learn one poem that you love and learn to perform it well and start with that mm -hmm. and, and you will sail forward from there. Okay. You're making me want to maybe try that, even though, you know, I don't like to perform anything. My number one tip is just to really um, inundate your classroom with different types and different forms of poetry. So maybe there's one type that each child can connect with. Yeah. How about you, Tracy? Um, I think that my my biggest tip is to be brave. You know, especially if you're someone where poetry is outside your comfort zone. You know what? We do so much as teachers outside our comfort zone. <laughs> it's our day to day this life. Is true. That is so, so sharing true. a piece of poetry is not going to kill you. 
it's okay. And your kids are going to love it. So just do it. Just Try it once. Even if you fail, you can write great poems about the day my teacher tried to <laughs> form a poem. That's right. <laughs> they would it love would be that. Hilarious. Most I definitely. <laughs> well, we have linked up our blogs just in honor of National Poetry Month, and you have to check this out. I know that this is a topic that most of us are kind of passionate about and have used extensively in our own classrooms. So we have a ton of tips and tricks and suggestions and products and all kinds of things that you need to check out. Be sure to check out the links in our program notes. We hope that you'll join us next time. Our episode 33, we're going to be talking about the power of interdisciplinary learning and what it can do for you at the end of your school year. Until next time, keep it real. Oh, oh, oh.